0: Todd Adams, Zen Parenting Radio.
1: This is Kathy Adams.
0: Welcome. Um, it's a fun-filled show packed with fun-filled things. Nice. And Ed Bacon wrote a book that you're just starting. Yes. What's the name of the book?
1: It's called The Eight Habits of Love. Wow. I had to turn it around to read the.
0: the Sounds side like of it. a real stretch for the types of books you like to read.
1: Well, you know why I like this book.
0: No. Besides
1: I, that, I'd like Ed Bacon, and that can you, you know, can I you like love. Can you keep it short?
0: Because I want to tease more stuff. Yes,
1: I, I'm going to keep it short. All right. It's that. It's, Are you mad
0: at me? No. Okay, go ahead. No,
1: because I'm practicing the eight habits of love. Is that there's eight habits, and so it's easy to break down, and it's easy to help and teach and discuss, because sometimes when a book is just really
0: big and vast, it's hard to know where to start. Eight is a very symbolic number. For many reasons. Infinity, Mm -hmm. and that's all I know. Mm -hmm. I'm drawing the eight sign. I see, and
1: on radio that works well.
0: Right. Everybody stop what you're doing and just do the eight sign.
1: Yeah, infinity.
0: Um, And then I read an article by a woman named... Nicola Krause and it, it was on the Huffington Post. It was called My Message to Dr. Sears, and we're going to talk about attachment parenting.
1: Well, and not only attachment parenting, but her um, blog post is really kind of slamming Dr. Sears mm-hmm. and saying she practices detachment parenting. And so just to have that discussion yeah, about I think the it's, back and forth, I it's think, valid. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's a valid uh, article that will spur on some discussion, which is all we really want to do in the first right. place. And then, uh, last but not least, um, we're going to give you Todd and Kathy's perspective on how to do child birthday parties.
1: Or yes, perspective. Yeah, I agree. I thought you were going to say on how to do it, and I was going to say no. We're going to say what we do. Words. I know, but so you know, specific. You know, they. I am specific, but the thing is, is remember that words, and to quote Maya Angelou, are things. And so if you say a word and it carries a certain vibration or it's heavy or negative, that's what people are left with. Okay. Is that feeling. Okay. So if you say, well, we're going to say how to do birthday parties and people are like, whoa, 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 I don't care. Mm-hmm. And But if you say this is what we do, then they're like, oh, okay, well, I'll listen to what you, you do, but not defensively. You're yeah. shaking your head. Well,
0: I mean, I don't think we're telling anybody what to do ever. Right. We're just saying, hey, this is what works for us.
1: Exactly, and you're right, and I know you know that. But because you're not as attached to words as I am, meaning you don't think about them as much, I just wanted to clarify why I don't why think about I do. them at all. I know, but they're things. I know they're things. When you say them, they create response.
0: Yes, they are. Words are powerful.
1: They are, and they are
0: energy. People have started wars over words. It, that's
1: my point. Therefore, you're you're pleading my case here. I'm on it. All right. I understand. All right, baby.
0: Um, our first partner is Helping Hands Maid Services. Do yourself a favor and give them a call.
1: And you know, something that's really great is we had, speaking of birthday parties, we had parties this weekend. We did. A lot of people at our house. And one of the best things about having a clean house, which Helping Hands will clean your house and they clean ours once a month, is that... Um, it feels good. It feels non-chaotic in your house. It feels like something you don't need to worry about. It just makes everything a little bit calmer. And again, I kind of take that in an energy way, too. Everything's just calmer well, and easier. As soon
0: as you walk, because, um, I, I don't know, for some reason I'm never home whenever they clean, and when you walk in the house, oh. before you even realize what they had done, you feel differently when you walk in the It
1: smells room. good. It feels good. And, and to me, it just feels clear. All
0: right. So here's our okay. number. 630-530-1324. HelpingHandsMadeServices.com. Uh, give him a call. All right, Ed Bacon. Yes. First We're of all. We're going to start
1: with my thing, huh? Yeah. Not the article? I'm
0: all about giving.
1: All right. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about with generosity. I'm a giver. I know you are. You're a very kind person. And
0: I love Bacon, too. <laughs> actually, I love Ed Bacon. I hear him on, because you have Oprah on all the time. Yes. And he has a show on the Oprah radio thing.
1: Well, it's actually, it's called Soul Series, and it's a radio um show on XM Radio on Oprah's station. And Oprah used to do Soul Series where she would interview, you know, spiritual thinkers or, you know, people who were processing how to be more loving in the world. Um, and now Ed Bacon does most of the interviewing. He um, heads it up. And he is a reverend. He's from California. Or no, he's an Episcopalian no, priest.
0: I don't know. He's, he's, he has kids though, right? Is, yeah. Is... He's, he's,
1: a, he's a priest, but not it's not Catholic. Yeah. Regardless, he is a man of the cloth, as one would say, correct? Yeah. And he... um,
0: And he's got a really great belly laugh.
1: He's got a great laugh, and he is just got this really awesome perspective um, on spirituality. Obviously, he has a uh, religion, and he has a church that he heads up, but he doesn't push his philosophy. Well, I
0: think I remember hearing him, because I overhear the radio whenever you have him on, Mm -hmm. and he said something like, you know, going to church isn't necessarily...
1: The best thing? The best
0: thing for certain people.
1: It's not for everybody.
0: And this is um, a, some priest guy.
1: You were about to say clown. I was going to say
0: clerical or <laughs> okay. something like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, well, uh, uh, he is a... Um, so whatever. He's got, he's, I think clerical is like a secretary.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I probably screwed that up. Yeah, but that's But okay. a cleric was something in Dungeons oh, & Dragons. okay. Was somebody who healed. Okay, okay. So yeah. there you go. It's
1: all combined. I just it don't understand. It all goes back
0: to my Dungeons and Dragons days.
1: Do, do you think it all goes back to Latin words?
0: Yes, it's a didn't, dead language. Didn't
1: you teach Latin, or take Latin? No,
0: my friend, uh, my friends Charlie, Marty, and Herb's did.
1: And are they and still I speaking took, it to And each I other? took Spanish,
0: and they used to make fun of me for taking <laughs> Spanish. And I have made fun of them for taking Latin because Latin is a language that nobody speaks.
1: Nobody speaks it, but it is the root of most words.
0: And is it also the root of all evil? No. Oh.
1: But I just think, like, I know that people who knew Latin or who learned Latin did better on, like, standardized testing. Because if you had to figure out what a word meant, if you knew the root of it, then it was easier.
0: But can they speak Spanish to Spanish people
1: no. Right now? You're, we're talking about real world things and yeah. testing. I'm more practical. Is, I know. Those I guys, like your practicality. guys are clowns. Okay, but you're best friends. I
0: never liked them in the first place.
1: But you did a lot.
0: Sometimes. Um, so what's Ed Bacon teaching us? So
1: anyway, the eight habits. I, I, I am reading this book, and um, I think that it has a lot to offer in terms of practical things that we can do. I like that. Um, And I'm actually, the uh, college class that I teach, I'm going to have my students do, or they don't have to buy the book, but we're going to talk about the eight habits and how to incorporate it into our lives. And really, I don't have like, it's not specifics like step-by-step like a diet or something. It's about being conscious of it. It's all about consciousness. It's the understanding that we are generous by nature. You, last week, sent me a 60-second science piece. and
0: Yeah, from Stitcher.
1: From Stitcher. And, and it
0: was a study. You know, these scientists do these studies, and somehow they made up this situation where everybody had a certain amount of money to give to a certain group. Mm-hmm. And it was all in a conditioned uh, whatever. It was,
1: a t- it was research. So yeah. It was a testing.
0: So, But what they found out, and correct me if I'm wrong because it's been a while since I listened to it, but basically they said when uh, the people who had their... Um, who they had to respond very quickly, they were much more prone to give more money than people who had opportunities to think to about think it. about
1: it. So basically, if we're going to break that down, if you are instinctual and you live from your heart, mm-hmm. your your instinct is generosity. If you get the instinct but then allow it to travel up to your brain mm-hmm. and you start to process through that machine called your brain then you are less likely to give and i want to clarify i'm not just talking about money mm-hmm. you know this the research did but they're just trying to prove meaning that 60 second science thing they were just talking about giving money but generosity is just not about finances right it's- well
0: and what i'll say is when you when you give somebody time to consider of whether or not they want to give what I would do, like, I, I agree with the study. I mm-hmm. think people by their nature are charitable and um, generous. have capacities of generosity beyond, you know, what, what most people think. But the reason I also think that when people take longer to decide, I think of my money problems, my concerns, yes. my worries, my pretend worries. And so I guess I'm just more reinforcing what the study was all about.
1: Well, instinct is your true self. It's who you are. Mm-hmm. And the tr- the who we are is we want to give. We are compassionate beings. We were born that way. That's what we've evolved to become. That's everything that humans are. But what happens is when that natural instinct is overridden... By our brain, mm-hmm. we get into the stories of our life. And the stories of our life, we may be so attached to them, we don't even know that the stories of our life, we perceive them as reality. Right. So we're like, the reality is, if I give a dollar to that homeless guy, then he's going to want more, and he's never going to do this. Well, he's going to go buy alcohol. He's going to go buy alcohol. Go buy
0: cigarettes. And
1: he's going to, you know, bug people, and, and, you know, that's just a waste of my money. And we to make up these stories um, where in the present moment someone's hungry, I'm going to give them a dollar. Or we we don't necessarily give money; we'll give food or just a bottle of on water.
0: Is. I mean a lot of Sometimes times. Sometimes we give money. When but we go in the city, and uh, we'll have granola bars because the girls get hungry, and God knows we don't want um, you know anybody to melt down. So we'll chuck them a granola bar in the back. But when that happens, and you got those people when you come off the ramp in Chicago, they're always holding the sign up saying "Please help homeless," all that. Um, we'll give them an orange or a banana. Well, whatever or we O-bar. have in the car. Right. Like,
1: you know, if they have a sign that says, I'm hungry, and people are like, no, they just really want money. No, they'll take your food. And they'll... I have
0: never once <laughs> had somebody, no, I want money. I don't want the banana.
1: <laughs> and not only that, but you know how many people have grabbed my hand and said, God bless you, or thank you. Or I, my favorite is when um, I've had a few uh, men who have held my hand and said, I love you. Mm. Thank, you know, and, and they're not, how do I say this? You're looking them in the eye. In their soul, they are thankful to you. And you can get in your head about, well, they're saying that because of this or this. It is a very loving moment. And if you can take it for what it is and enjoy that and appreciate that. And just, that's reality Well, and I would say
0: when you do find yourself in that opportunity where you do have the ability to give somebody something, like you said, look them in the eye because I think that might be... Even Almost than as important food. or mm-hmm. maybe more important than just chucking them a banana or chucking them a granola mm-hmm. bar and not looking at them. If you mm-hmm. look at them in the eyes, because sometimes we're uncomfortable with how it makes us feel like, oh, we're driving in this nice warm yeah. car and this guy is cold and he's mm-hmm. got this bad jacket on and he looks bad and he hasn't shaved in a month or whatever it is. We start feeling bad so we don't want to look at that person. And
1: so that's called turning away. You know, that's that Pink Floyd song. That's away. what it's about. And that's why that song always makes me cry, because it's about pretending something's not happening so I can feel comfortable in myself and I don't have to look at what's happening in the world. And the thing is, is that person who is outside your window who is hungry is a human being. And they're probably someone's parent and they're someone's child and they're someone's friend, and they may not have always been in that situation. and Or they're mentally ill, oh, which I- they deserve just as much, a, you know, a, why are you shaking No, no, your head? no, go
0: ahead. I want to, I don't want to interrupt you. Oh,
1: well, they, you know, they may have their own challenges and that's not a reason to to turn them away. Mm-hmm. It, and again, I can't in that moment solve that person's problems every single thing, but I can give them a granola bar and I'm not going to not do that because of fear.
0: Well, and the way I think about uh, that stuff is when you see a homeless person, there was a point in time when this person, this, you know, smelly, let's just say that they're the 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 maybe a bad case scenario where they stink and they look bad and they're just not taking care Mm -hmm. of themselves. Or they
1: may have a drug issue or drug issue. There was
0: a point in time in this person's life that they were six months old mm -hmm. and they were as helpless and as full of love as Mm -hmm. any other creature on this Mm -hmm. planet. And they got so screwed up by parents or circumstances or Mm -hmm. themselves or mental illness. So when I look at them, I try to think back like there was a time when this kid, this man was a little infant mm-hmm. who just wanted to be loved exactly so
1: and and what we can do is it's not about then you know because people will say well i can't solve all those person's problems i have probably can you tell i've been mm-hmm. a social worker a long time and mm-hmm. i've heard everything that people have said about why they don't help people you don't need to get out of the car and you know quote unquote risk your safety or do any of those things you just in that present moment, if you have something to share, even if it's a smile, mm-hmm. you know, and that's another experience I had, you know, like where you can roll down your window and say hello mm-hmm. and say, you know, it, it it's being human. Mm-hmm. It's being generous of mm-hmm. spirit, mm-hmm. and so and if you don't have anything to give to, like you said, you know, to um, to be kind, mm-hmm. that's all. Just to be kind and to not be passive aggressive and to not decide that you're better than other people, right. and to get off the homeless thing for sure. a second, because sure. it's not just about giving to people who maybe are less fortunate than you. It's about walking down the street and deciding to smile at anybody. Mm-hmm. It's about deciding to apologize to your child when it's really deserved. A lot of people don't do the simple things because they don't want to appear weak or vulnerable. They want to either appear cool or in charge or, you know, that they don't care. And so, you know, they kind of walk straight ahead and they don't. You know, look at anybody else or with their child. They don't apologize because they don't want to appear that they did something wrong. That is being non-generous of spirit. Mm -hmm. That is deciding that I am too afraid of how I may be perceived, so I'm not going to give.
0: Well, and one thing you said before the show was you didn't want this just to be a discussion of money. It's not about money to me. So what you're saying is when you have an opportunity, it doesn't have to be money, financial. It could be generosity of spirit, a smile. I mean, like, what are some other things? Can you think of any other, um, just
1: addressing anything that needs to be addressed. I mean, so many times we, um, you know, we, we notice that our child is hurting and our instinct is to be compassionate, but we say, no, I'm going to tell them that they need to get up and toughen up because it's so painful for me to watch. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to not be generous of spirit and to maybe sit down and even, Say, I understand why you're sad, and I've been there before, and it could be about a grade, it could be about a breakup that they had, it could be about whatever. That's giving of yourself and being vulnerable versus, that's ridiculous that you're upset. Go up to your room. Or temper tantrums. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, um, I have, I had an experience, um, actually, I want to get into that later when we talk about the article. Okay. Um, but anything where you are, when your first instinct is to be loving, like, we could take this to any... Um, marriage you know mm. partnership um your husband does something really nice for you and you decide not to say thank you or to acknowledge it because then you're afraid, this is all in your head, a story, right. that then they'll think that you're even. And really, you're not even. They owe you more. Mm-hmm. Do, do you see the story? i going winning so It becomes it's, a winning thing. It does. And so you're not generous with your words. Mm-hmm. You're not generous with your love. And here's a quote that you said to me the other day that I wrote down I've been thinking about. This
0: must be good.
1: Well, I don't know where you got it. I don't remember. Maybe
0: my brain. Maybe.
1: Maybe your heart. Maybe not. Um, but it is. Is to have something you have to give it away
0: oh yeah that's from that um that priest guy there's a big youtube hour-long oh, yes. thing that was it he's some awesome uh clergy guy from boston college or something like that and basically it was it was um the last lecture there's like you know the randy Posch last lecture yeah. they asked him to give his last lecture his even, interpretation yeah even though he was not dying or anything like that And basically, it was a really powerful hour. I mean, I sat there for an hour. Who's got an hour to watch something on YouTube? You did. And I did because it was so good Mm -hmm. and it was so engaging. But really, the thing that I got most out of it is that really, if you want to attain anything in your life, you first have to be able to learn how to give it away.
1: You get and and what that means is if you want love you have to be loving. Mm-hmm. If you want people to be generous toward you, you have to be generous toward them and I don't mean in an intentional intentional manipulative way. Mm-hmm. I don't mean like I want something from this person so I'm going to give them things from the mind, meaning I'm going to pay more attention to them so they pay attention to me. It's a natural instinctual to the world loving to everyone and therefore the world you know that's we create our own reality Mm -hmm. and people don't believe this they think that the stories in their head are the truth about the world Mm -hmm. but if you are generous with other people what you will see is generosity reflected around you
0: you can't not
1: if you are angry and you decide to not be vulnerable and to not be giving and to blame everybody else for what's going on with you you—that's what you'll continue to see. Right. And it sounds too simplistic, and obviously we can go deeper about it at another time. Because you know, people say, "Well, well you know, how do I really change that?" But it's these simple mm-hmm. steps. As far as this week, this is kind of like an action item. Practice being generous of spirit when you have a moment where you don't—you're—you kind of want to not do something to help someone, or you kind of want to turn away from someone, or maybe make someone feel bad, or maybe gossip or do something that you you kind of do just automatically, autopilot, mm-hmm. check yourself and say, is this a generous of spirit thing to do? Right. Does this really feel good? I mean, it may be, feel normal, quote mm. unquote normal, because you do it a lot, right. but is it really, you know, and, and I think about this, I do a women's group and I most of the people I talk to are women, mothers, and... One of the thing that is one thing that is so important to me is women supporting other women. Right. Is that if you want to be a successful person, mm-hmm. and I I did get this from um, Ayana Van Zant who is right. on Oprah a lot, but if you want to be a successful person, you have to help other people be successful. Mm-hmm. It's not about taking down other women, Mm -hmm. so you can be the one. Well, I remember
0: that part because that it was an interview between Oprah and a yes, it was so
1: fantastic. And
0: she uh, differentiated, generally speaking, of the difference between men and women. And I I, I don't know if I'll put it exactly the way she put it, but she said that women sometimes don't want to be; um, uh, they don't want to see their friends succeed because they think that it inhibits their ability to succeed. Exactly. Whereas men could care less if their bodies succeed or not because it completely is doesn't it's different it is T- they don't
1: feel that if their buddy's successful, that means they can't be successful. Right. Women perceive world the world, not all, but many perceive the world as a pie. That if one person has a piece of the pie, then there's there's a hole. Right. And that you somehow there's not enough for you. Mm-hmm. And so if someone else is successful, then that somehow takes away from you.
0: Well, and I would agree with that. I think, you know, I, I want my friends to succeed. Wait, you
1: don't agree with that the world ag- is...
0: No, no. Uh, I agree with Ianla's assessment yeah. of the differences, generally speaking, between men and women. Yeah. At least me personally, I want my friends to be really successful, and I also want to be really successful. And w- how successful they are has nothing to do with how successful I might or might not be. Mm-hmm. And do you think that women can be the other way? I
1: think women instinctually and naturally are very supportive of other, of other women. I think that's who we really are. Mm-hmm. And that is our first response is that generosity of spirit and loving and helping other women and helping young girls. And But I think sometimes women get in their head. Mm-hmm. And they get, because they're not doing for themselves what they know they should do, they take out that frustration on other women and say, wait, they're taking care of themselves. I don't get to, so I don't want them to. But I don't think that is true truly what they believe. I think it's a, a story.
0: Well, it's funny because uh, about a month ago, we talked about that book, Men Are Like Waffles and Women Are Like Spaghetti. Mm-hmm. And in and, and that uh, metaphor, it works because the men are like waffles. We have each segregated part of our lives mm-hmm. in different mm-hmm. places, mm-hmm. Um, whereas women are like spaghetti and it's, it's all, all interconnected. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the waffle in my brain is my friend's success has nothing to do with my success, whereas the women's brain... You know, Everything it all kind of Well,
1: and it does intermingle, but we've got it the wrong way. When we think that someone else's success hurts our ability to be successful, it's the opposite thing. Anytime you see someone who is living their life, they're empowering you mm-hmm. to do the same thing. It's not taking away from you. It may initially hurt or cause envy or jealousy because you're not doing it. Right. But that should be your signal to wake up and say, why am I envious of this person? Not that it's a bad thing to feel envy. That's a natural emotion. But it's just like anger. It's giving you a... A wake up call right. to say if I'm envious of that person, then maybe there's something I could be doing, and it's not exactly like them. Mm. You don't have to then be like them. Right. It's trying to help you be more like you. Right. And so, you know, as Marianne Williamson says, you know, if you if you own your light, if you claim who you are, it empowers other people to do the same thing. And I really believe that. And women are so afraid of shining. That um, because they don't they don't want other people to not like them right. they don't want other people to think they're they are se- they not bragging yeah they
0: don't want to set themselves apart right. from other people but
1: man if we don't right then we're going to the- continue to be you and know if you
0: can't do it for yourself who's going to do it for you and for
1: man the- I have three little girls mm-hmm. so that is you know part my job in the world as a woman just me Kathy is to shine and do what I you know do what I love and to have a happy life that's big enough in itself, but I'm also a mother of three girls. So my job is to show my three girls what it's like to be a woman in this world. And I think it's pretty fantastic, mm. but I don't think a lot of women would agree with that. I think some would say, you know, I don't feel supported or I don't feel like I'm living my true you know, calling. And that's, that's our job.
0: We need to move on. Okay, let's do it. Um, our second partner is uh, tree of life chiropractic care. Uh, they do chiropractic in Elmhurst here uh, where we live, and they do an awesome job. And their phone number is 630-941-8733, 630-941-8733. Healthy families by choice, not... Not
1: by chance. That's
0: right. Um, Which just means take care of yourself, make it a priority. That's right. Um, So the second thing is this article. Okay. So... Um, again
1: it's in the Huffington Post. And when was it? A few weeks ago? No, I
0: think it was like a week ago. And the name we'll is post, called My Message to Doctor Sears. And we'll
1: repost it on our Zen Parenting page. And
0: then I'm also gonna post a YouTube clip of the video for On the Turning Away because oh, okay. it's that good. such
1: a great song. Yeah. It's one of I, I literally cry every time I hear because that. song. Because it's Pink Floyd. No, because of the words to that song because oh. they're two they are true. And it that makes me sad because we so anyway.
0: We're gonna put that on there. Okay, okay so Everybody thinks, well not everybody, some people might think I'm a parenting expert because I am a podcast radio host mm-hmm. on parenting. I don't know very much about Dr. Sears, and you had actually had to help me um, understand mm-hmm. what the idea, what his philosophy is and all that. Was, did Dr. Sears come out like 40 years ago? or?
1: Well, no. I mean, he's, he's a grandfather, okay. but... Um, really instead of focusing on everything that Dr. Sears talks about, I okay. want to talk this, this is about attachment parenting. Okay. Okay. Got it. So the focus of attachment parenting is um well, before I go into that, this article
0: So this article kinda calls out certain elements of Dr. Sears.
1: No, that article calls out Dr. Sears. Okay. And that's kind of why I wanted to discuss it, is because I think sometimes we throw out the baby with the bathwater. Okay. Is that the right terminology? Yes, it is. Trying to throw things in there. Yeah. But I think that, you know, we'll decide this whole thing is bad because of this. Right. And the truth is, is everything has pieces that we can take something from and be better parents for it. Right. But it doesn't mean that we have to take the whole thing. Right. And make it, you know, read the book and say, I'm going to do, this is my Bible. I'm going to do it exactly this way. Mm -hmm. So can I read you one of the best quotes about attachment parenting that I've heard? Please do. Okay. So, and I'm going to emphasize certain words. The idea behind attachment parenting is opening your heart and mind to the individual needs of your baby and eventually developing the wisdom on how to make on the spot decisions on what works best for you and your child. So that's there's certain components that we have to focus on heart and mind Mm -hmm. individual needs Mm -hmm. and what works best for you and your baby and nowhere in there does it say you have to sleep with your child till they're seven. Right. Nowhere in there does it say you have to nurse until they're six. No. And that's I'm not saying that those points aren't made mm-hmm. in attachment parenting that those things are important and that those are thought of as positive things to do. Right. But I think we get way too focused on what other people are doing or where they they take it, and then we decide that's all bad. Right. So anyway, well, go ahead. There's a
0: line in here that says, um, you know, she talks about a, a circumstance that might come up where they get. You know, they, she knows of parents that get asked to go out to dinner and the response from the parent is, oh we'd love to be able to go out and eat but our two year old can't sleep without us and by the time he finally goes down it's 9 or 9.30 and we're tired to do anything then he gets back in bed with us, blah 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 mm-hmm. so she's calling out that there's too many parents out there saying, mm-hmm. sorry we can't do anything because we have a three year old mm-hmm. and she's like no, we have just as much right to be happy, I mean there's certain things in this article that mm-hmm. I agree with and it's a balance between the two. Because she's saying you don't let your child dictate everything. But of the child's not
1: dictating it. The parent is deciding what dictates so it. So she's
0: calling out the parents.
1: Exactly. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I have had nights when my child was two or three where I chose to not go out because it was too difficult. Right. I also had nights when they were two or three where I said, I am going. Mm-hmm. I need it. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the story. Right. It happens on both sides. Right. There are times when your instincts tell you it's not a good night to go, but it's not a dogma right. or a, or a rule-following thing where I say, I cannot go out because. And I think that's where I get stressed out when people say attachment parenting is bad or they say, I'm only an attachment parent. That's right. out of balance, too. Right. Because if you are getting, like you and I... We didn't mind when, or not only did I not mind, but when the baby, when our babies were really small, I did sleep with them for nursing reasons Mm -hmm. and, um, and felt very safe doing it. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of, there's a big thing right now about not sleeping with your baby. And if that doesn't feel right to you, that is your priority, but I, you know, or, or your decision. But I did do that. And then there were times when then, you know, she would be in the crib and that'd be great. And then there were times she'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd take her to bed. I didn't have a set of rules. Mm -hmm. You're just kind of doing what happens naturally. What's the
0: opposite of... um... Um, attachment parenting, as far as babies and sleeping, well, is it ferberizing? The, the,
1: yeah, ferberizing or the crying Where out Where they let them cry it out. And that was the story I was going to tell, is this is a perfect example of going against your own instincts. When I, when I had JC, those things were very big. Mm-hmm. And so I remember my friend Amy, she had read, I think, Baby Wise. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a book about letting him cry it out immediately when you get him home from the hospital. So she brings her son home and puts him in a crib, and he's sobbing, and she, la- she laid on the floor next to him. And just sobbed Mm -hmm. because she wanted to be with them. I could cry saying it. It Mm -hmm. makes me so sad. And she felt so uncomfortable, but she's like, I'm trying to do what they're telling me to do. The instinct wasn't, to do. that's not what she really wanted to do. That's not what that baby needed. Now, maybe someone else who did bring their baby home, the baby was fine in the crib. I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm speaking for my friend or for me that certain things feel good. Slings are not all bad. Mm -hmm. Slings are great. But if the sling doesn't work for you, don't, don't use, use it. it. Right. But we don't have to put labels on right. it as far as this works and this doesn't. I mean, I, I loved slinging my kids, but then there was a point when I was done. And that's okay. Well,
0: in the article, she quotes some lady's book, Susie Giordano's 12 Hours Sleep by 12 Weeks Old, which is the very first thing we have to teach them right out of the the womb is to self-soothe.
1: And I agree with some of that, yeah.
0: I want a daughter who believes that she has everything inside her to meet all of life's challenges and isn't waiting for some invisible hand to help her do something as simple as fall asleep. And I
1: think that's too extreme. There were times that you know you can let your baby cry it out, especially when I was at my wit's end and I could not breathe because I was so tired Mm -hmm. and I was so done. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't have been good for my baby because mm. I was so tense and stressed. So I had to walk away or let them cry, and oftentimes in that five, ten minutes, they would fall asleep, right? right. But there were also nights when I could tell the cry was different, when I knew that there was something that I could be soothing. Right. And I, I think dads have this too. I think that you guys can feel instinctually when something's going on with your child.
0: Yeah, I think we are not as tapped into it, or I wasn't as tapped into it as you were, but um, yeah, we definitely have it.
1: And I think if we can tap into that, and again, that's what this is about, that intuition of parenting that sometimes, like Shane, uh, your sister was just saying um, how we used to... Um, you know what? The show is finishing.
0: So actually, this I've got por- a good story. This though. portion of the show is finishing. <laughs> um, we have to talk about our last partner, uh, Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Their number is 630 956 1800. 630 956 1800. Give them a call, Tom's and Parenting Center. So we're going to stop the live broadcast, but if you're listening to this on demand, um, just hang with us for another I'll second. I'll finish
1: my story on and demand. And you'll
0: finish your story. You remember where you are? <laughs> I do. All right, so this is Todd Adams saying goodbye in the live version.
1: And this is Kathy Adams. Okay, so the story, the Shane story is, what was the Shane story? I lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Because we stopped.
0: You teased it.
1: I did. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Can you believe that that just happened?
0: No, as a matter of fact, I can't.
1: Oh my um, gosh!
0: I'm trying to read this article that because there's a bunch of things I highlighted, but I don't want it to be that they in the article it says that it also seems to be the moment that it dawns on a parent that there is no exit strategy. She talks about nine months, like nine months is a special. Oh yeah. And uh, Dr. Sears, whole they'll just get up and leave thing doesn't. Seem to be panning out. For the record, I've never heard of a kid who has. You know, I don't understand. Basically, what what
1: they're saying is, if you let your child sleep with you up until they're nine months, and then say, okay, now it's time to get in your crib, right. that it's going to be impossible to do that. Gotcha. I don't know if that's true or not because I never had that personal experience. But I do know that there were times that my children did sleep sleep with me, and there were times that they slept in their bed. Right. And there, were, most of the time, they wanted to be in their bed. And there were times that my children self soothed, right. and times that I felt like I needed to go in and support them in some way, even right. if it was me just putting my hand on their stomach as they cried it out, you know, like, but I was there. And, and I think the, you know, we were talking about the beginning of the show, the turning away thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we turn away our instincts because we're focused on a book Mm -hmm. or we're focused on philosophy or we're focused on an ideology. And so we say, I don't want to be that parent. I'm afraid this will happen. So we don't Tune in to what's really going on with us and our child, and I think that's where we make the mistake. It's not about choosing a side. It's about not choosing yourself.
0: Well, and usually, um, to speak from it from a practical standpoint as far as as kids sleeping and all that, um, as we keep on saying, it's not one or the other. Like Mm -mm. one thing that we tried that I think worked pretty well when our kids were having a hard time sleeping and we didn't want to go in there eight times a night, we would go in, you know, they'd cry, we'd go in there, we'd soothe. And then they cry again, we'd wait five minutes to, before we went in and soothe. And then if they cried again, we'd wait 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So then we just stretch it out. And then uh, they did teach themselves to self-soothe, but not at the expense of feeling like they were completely, that we were unavailable to them.
1: And I remembered the Shane story. Oh, good. Are you relieved? Because yes. I am. Because I was like, they're going to be like, well, what are you talking about? The Shane story is she reminded me the other day that Skylar, when she was falling asleep, used to sit in her crib and go, Mama, mm-hmm. Mama. And your sister would be like, you know, do you think you should go? Or she didn't say, do you think you should go in there? But she'd be like, you know, does what she do need do? you? Right. And i go, no, she's just talking through her day. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of getting it out, releasing it, toning, whatever you want to call it. I could tell she didn't need me. Mm-hmm. She was just kind of going, Mama, kind of like a soothing in itself, right. saying my name. Right. So I wasn't running to the door going, yes, yes, I knew what she was doing. I didn't even open the door. that That's the intention. Intuition. That's what I'm talking about, where we get to, but I had forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. Your sister had to remind me that that used to happen. I remember
0: that too. And um, the term, the phrase that I always remember. You were saying is she's just getting her day out. She's getting it out. And she'd go from mama to daddy to bagels. You know, she would just say anything.
1: And our other girls would do the same thing. And sometimes they'd even get whiny like, Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of roll around. And I didn't feel like I needed to go in there. They were just kind of doing their thing. Just like when we go to bed and Mm -hmm. stretch Mm -hmm. and like kind of moan and groan, Mm -hmm. you know, they are releasing what they need to release. And they don't need me there to do that. Mm -hmm. But if they are crying and it sounds like they're in pain, I'm not going to keep the door shut because. I'm afraid if I open it, do you, you know, that something bad's going to happen. Right, and that
0: bad thing of a parent who might have that philosophy is, oh, these kids are never going to learn how to self-soothe.
1: Yes. And
0: the one thing I'll say is we almost always, if we are going to make a mistake, we, side, we, we made it on the side of... Too much. Being present. Mm-hmm. Love than mm-hmm. not enough love.
1: And it's not to say that the parents who are letting them cry it out are not loving.
0: Right. Because yeah, that's, people, the bad, that's a bad word. Isn't
1: this hard to talk about? Yeah, too because much
0: attention. I don't know.
1: We sided on, and I used a word being present, that if I wasn't sure, mm-hmm. I would much rather go in and see. Right. And see for my myself, my right. own instincts, then just assume the book is right. Right. Is that, you know, I liked Weisbluth's book. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I had friends who wanted to burn that book. Dr. Mm-hmm. Weisbluth wrote a book called Happy, Healthy...
0: Healthy Habits, Healthy Child. Yeah, or something. something.
1: I don't remember. It's been too long. But I liked the idea of the nap schedule for me mm-hmm. because then I had some time to myself. Plus, I do believe that sleep begets sleep. Is right. that when they napped well, they napped well at night or they slept well at night. But I wasn't worried about if it was one mm-hmm. or two or three. I wasn't focused on. I just knew that they needed downtime. Well, like, and, you know, and
0: we were pretty um, rigid when it came to naps and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, so, so you know, this
1: is the balance, right? Yeah, it's a yes. balance between.
0: It. Like we said, no, you know, this Nap is their schedule, mm-hmm. and will we follow it religiously? No, no, but we did our best to do so. And I know that parents from a generation ago would make fun of us saying, oh, we took our kids everywhere and they slept. When they got tired, they slept. And if they slept on the couch with, in the middle of a party, they did. And like, no, That's... we want the kid to be able to sleep in his room. Or her room mm-hmm. was most quiet, of the time. Most of the time. Most of the
1: time. And if we can make that happen, and also live a good life, meaning we're happy, then great. If there's a time that we have to be at a party, and they mm-hmm. have to sleep on a couch, okay, right. that happens every once in a while. It's not about rigidity to the point of harming yourself. Right. And I think that's the key of the attachment parenting thing is that it's it's about your child's individual needs and yours. Mm-hmm. And if I needed a nap, or if I needed some space away or if I could not be in there in that moment because I had kind of lost my marbles that's okay because I am you know I have to be good in myself to be good for my child and so that's what's so beautiful is this article like you said there's valid points in this article Mm -hmm. but I don't like it when people trash Dr. Sears Mm -hmm. and say he's all wrong
0: well the reason I like the article is it did nothing other than um, create a conversation between you and I I, right now it's true whoever's listening to this can have a conversation with their husband or wife or nephew or brother or sister i mean that's kind of why we do this show it's just to not to do what we say to to do what we did rather it is for use us to facilitate another conversation that otherwise may not happen and and i want to say this is how she ends it which i thought is interesting um so if you're if you aren't a parent i leave you with this parenting is really effing hard so don't make it harder set your life up so it can be full of sleep sex movies dining and travel so that marriage that so that the marriage that produced the child is as healthy as when the child trots off to the great world that awaits them as it was when you said, I do.
1: And and that's valid. Mm-hmm. Like, that's true. I believe in that. I think the thing that probably, um, you know, as far as what I write about, what I most write about is self-care mm-hmm. for the parent. Right. Because I believe it starts with us. Right. And if we are good in ourselves, we're good for our children. So I fully believe in every single thing she said there. But part of this last part trots off in the world, um, you know, healthy and happy. Sometimes that means that they're soothed at night. Right. Sometimes that means that they were nursed. Right. Sometimes that means that they were in a sling. Whatever that was for you. Right. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. Is it doesn't mean one or the other. It's like what the parent feels is right. And a lot of parents who are saying, I can't go to that party, I need to stay home with my child, they may not want to go to that party. Right. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's that's not either here or there, but sometimes we use our children as excuses too. And there may be other things that they may be doing um, for their own self-care. So... I can get really worked up about this.
0: Can I know, but we, but we need to move on. Okay. We need to lighten it up. Okay. Um, birthday parties.
1: All right. N- we are not starting a whole new thing. It's, it's 37 it's whatever minutes. It's going to take
0: two seconds. Okay.
1: All right. I thought you wanted Who's to do you your in charge t- t- here? Well, I think we both are. No. Equally. I am. No.
0: Um, um,
1: I, weren't you going to talk about turning in a bad?
0: Yeah. Would you just chill, Will? Okay. All right. Um, the thing is with... Kids birthday parties is we have hosted one birthday party where one of our daughters invites everybody in the class and it's total chaos. Mm
1: -hmm. Were you about to swear? No. Okay. Um,
0: But most of the birthday parties we've hosted for our daughters is we have them invite a few friends. Right. And by few, I mean two or or three Mm -hmm. and have a a more intimate birthday party setting. Mm -hmm. And some people might criticize us saying, well, what if they want everybody in their class? Well, if, if, If any of our daughters put on... We're
1: adamant. Adamant, Mm -hmm.
0: we would do it. But, you know, you can sometimes move your kid in a certain direction by how you present something. Right. And we said, wouldn't it be fun if we took your three best friends out to pizza and a movie and all that? Right. And they do it, and they love it. They love these birthday parties. And I don't even
1: think it's about, you know, trying to sway them. I think it's about saying what we can handle as parents. Again, this goes back to the discussion we were just having. I really don't do well when I have 100 children in my house. I'm exaggerating. But that's not a fun party for you know,
0: for us, it's, for us, it's, it's a nightmare, it's hard.
1: and and I kind of feel like it's stressful, and for it's, the kids, it's too. for the kids, for all of them, not you know, not just our daughter, but all these children who are like, where do I sit? What do I do? And we have found with um, some failures and some successes, meaning some of the parties have gone better than others. That when the girls invite a few friends and we go eat and have ice cream and kind of hang out, it's like the best thing ever mm-hmm. for them. I mean, it, they say it, you right. know. And um,
0: well, it seems to be working because I think we've only had one chaotic birthday party Mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of those smaller group yet intimate birthday parties and they want to continue to do that and
1: even like you know one of my children really wanted to do Pump It Up which is this place like a jumpy place Mm -hmm. um, in Elmhurst and so we're like okay we'll do that invite a few of her friends and we went on the free jump day or it wasn't even free but you know what I mean like open jump
0: open house, yeah.
1: and so no I didn't rent out the entire place but she still did Pump It Up with a few of her friends and that was really great so you don't have to like sacrifice everything it's just like listen to them and and they can be it's a time for them to like reconnect with who they love you know so anyway
0: well and, you know, I remember as a kid when it was one of those birthday parties when you have like 13 of your best friends, there. like, you don't know who to hang out with. It's like completely stressful. It
1: can, it can be. In a little body. Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's our take on birthday parties. I'm yeah. going to do one tournament a bath. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, the dentist. <laughs> um, first of all, when we were little kids and we had a cavity, what would happen? They'd stick our gum with a needle, shoot it up with Novocaine uh-huh. and they'd drill and it would hurt and then they'd fill it. Now, okay. do, now what do they do?
1: Well, a lot of dentists will knock you out.
0: Well, and you don't like pass out, but you're like kind of dazed. You're on like nitrous. Nitrous. Yeah. And I think that that is bad. Okay. Um, it's not because nitrous is bad for you. It's because I wish these kids would have more negative reinforcement about their trip to the dentist.
1: Oh, interesting. I
0: want them to feel pain. That's to,
1: awful, time. To
0: motivate them <laughs> to brush their teeth better.
1: That is negative.
0: Reinforcement, Re-
1: but it's unnecessary. Well, I don't know. I just i i Here's don't. The deal. Okay.
0: They. It. I remember. I still remember exactly what chair it was when I got these shots in my gums, and it was. It really motivated me to Did brush it? my teeth a lot better. Is
1: that what motivated you to brush your teeth?
0: Yes, I was scared and frightened of the dentist.
1: Okay. Well, <clears throat> I will. I will say that when we take the girls to the dentist, and we've had two cavities so right. far is that they, regardless of how it was going to be taken care of, were pretty upset about it. Mm -hmm. They didn't need to be poked with a needle to feel the negative implications of having a cavity.
0: They didn't need
1: to feel pain. And I
0: wasn't there, so I don't know. I'm kind of talking out of my butt here because you're in charge of dentists. I'm in charge of brushing teeth, but you're in charge of... It just
1: sounds bad that you're saying you want children to be in pain so they can...
0: I do. I think that that is better. And, you know, because I'm so thrifty, Uh I mean, these bills are crazy for these dentists. I know, I know. I'm and then you. the X-rays—that's yeah. a whole other thing. I we don't—I don't, don't understand get me going about the X-rays. The X-rays.
1: Um, is that really generous of spirit of you?
0: No, a doll. But I'm not a perfect dad, and I'm True. not a perfect husband, I'm and not I'm either. not a perfect person. But I think that these kids should feel a little more pain at the dentist. Right. That's my bottom line. Right. So, what do you have to promote?
1: Um, well, a few things. We have a thing. You and I have a YMCA thing coming up in Niles, All right. um, which is out, right outside of Chicago, and it is on. I have a piece of paper. It is on October 10th. And if you go to my website, KathyCAdams.com, and go to the events page, you can click on there, or go to the YMCA um, Leaning Tower and Niles website. It's on there, or go to our Facebook page. But we're going to be talking about um, sexual, sex and sexuality, meaning how to talk to your kids about it, how to keep an open communication, how to discuss their curiosity, and how to do it with an open heart and not fear.
0: And you've written two books. Yeah, the Self Aware Parent Part One and Two. It's on your website.
1: They are, and um, check them out. They're twenty
0: bucks for both.
1: Twenty bucks for both. It's quite the deal. Can't and, beat it. Um, something fun this week. I, um, I actually had a friend stop me what three or four days ago, Jim. did yeah. and he said, "Hey, I saw you in Parents Magazine," and I was like. Really, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I he kind of told me, he said, yeah, you know, there's a quote, and so I finally uh, checked it out yesterday, got it from the library, and there's a quote of mine in uh, September issue of Parents Magazine. It was an interview I did two years ago, but it's a. It took him a while to it get it him in the a while, magazine. But it's better late than never. So anyway, um, it's a story about four habits that you should break, and I think mine was about um, not criticizing your children interestingly enough. i know um but anyway so that was fun but in the magazine they promote the book which that's what i brought that up i thought that was great
0: well the fact that you got written up in parents magazine is something to be said yeah, that's a like pretty that. big magazine
1: yes I, i'm
0: i mean i'm guessing i've never bought one but i'm guessing that it's kind of a big deal it's named parents
1: yeah well i'm grateful for that opportunity
0: so um i think that's all we got okay that's,
1: this was a this was a full show because I feel like we could have gone.
0: It was power packed. It was it and was fun, we had to like and fun filled.
1: I felt a little stifled like we had to stop.
0: I know you know I know. So we have to go for an hour next time. Okay. Um, so um, share our stuff and help us get the word out about ZPR.
1: And thanks again for all your reviews and for listening to the show because we're still we vacillate between number one and number two on iTunes. <laughs> so that's pretty great. So all thank right. you. Thanks everybody. Have a good week.